Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The trade deadline has passed and it was absolutely shite and not worth setting up for. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Uh, my name is Paul Mitchell. Yeah, a week of trades or not, or just weak trades perhaps, but also injuries that we need to talk about. There's a couple of problems down New Orleans way. We'll no doubt touch on them. We are joined by Charles Patterson and Gordon McGuinness to talk our way through week eight and beyond. Now, we've been kind of kicking off these podcasts with the award nominations, and I think we should do the exact same thing. We'll come into the news stories because there's an awful lot going on right now, but we need to look back first. We need to give out our awards. We need to find our prize winners, and then we can move on to some of the juicy topics that are going on. So we'll cover the easy one early because we've had more nominations for the Belter this week for a single person than we've ever received in any of our awards nominations ever. For a belter point of view, you normally get one person in the ball bag category that quite obviously stands out, but belter, normally quite widespread. So let me go over some of the others before I get into who it's probably likely going to be. Ryan Johnson, he put forward Aaron Rodgers. Now we are talking last week, not this week, last week. Uh, No wide receivers and still beat a team who were previously undefeated. Do you know what, Charles? The last time we met, it was before... The, the Packers played the Cardinals. You were worried. We didn't really think, I guess we, they've always got a chance, but we were questioning how difficult a night it might be. And in the end, you came away with a win. Well, I wouldn't give the Belter nomination to Aaron Rodgers. I would have given it to Matt LaFleur for <laughs> calling a really good game, apart from a couple of fourth, um, fourth down bizarre calls in the red zone. But they played a really solid, well-coached game and they ground the clock out. I wouldn't say that Rodgers was the reason necessarily that they won. I think it was a really good all-round team performance. Um, it's not, not going to be the reason it. this week, is it? Well, <laughs> we'll get on to that. We'll get, we'll get that. into that. And I have um, I have, I have my own thoughts on that. But they, um, they, I thought they were... There is, they showed how efficient they are on defence. They've got a good running game despite the fact that certain people on this podcast don't value running backs, they've got an excellent running game. Look, the bottom line is that they're a well-rounded team who've been in the NFC Championship game two two, two years in a row. You would expect them to be doing quite well. And I just find it hilarious that everyone was blowing up after week one saying they were a shambles when they've won six, seven on the spin. And we knew that they were a good team and they are proving to be a good team. But I wouldn't give it to Rodgers last year. I I think he's, he's been playing within himself for the past four or five weeks. Um, and they're, they're around. They're a more rounded team now than they have been in the last two or three seasons. There's, there's no way. There's no way it's wrong. Like it is. I understand the issue he had with receivers this week, but like his average uh, completion was like five yards. Yeah, exactly. I will point out. I will point out. As much as I get slated for being a Packers hater, purely because I rag on like two of the decisions they made. <laughs> I, I picked them to win last week, despite their lack of wide receivers. I had no faith that they were going to win. I genuinely didn't, because I thought that the Cardinals were too good. And actually, I think that the Cardinals maybe, again, I, I said this last week about Baltimore and Cincinnati. Um, I think maybe the Cardinals have been slightly overhyped a bit. I don't the think there's Cardinals much got... between a lot of the teams at are, the top. Are the Cardinals I, I this year Steelers? Are the Cardinals this year Steelers? No. Are they, are they no, going to wobble now no, and slip? No. No, no they've... They've got. They have a quarterback that can run more than three yards. So they're definitely not. They throw more than three um, yards as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he um, Murray didn't have a very good game and clearly wasn't fully fit by the end of the game. And it was a bizarre decision by AJ Green not to complete the play. So th- this is and, this is great though. So watching the game, 
anytime anything good happened for the Packers, there was like a loud cheer because there was a huge travel in Green Bay support. Apparently, the reason why AJ Green didn't turn around is because it was an audible that was called and AJ Green didn't hear it because the Packers fans were loud. <laughs> in, in Arizona, which isn't a great, isn't a great thing to be. I, I, I think the, the Cardinals definitely were a little bit overrated because, um, you know, the, the Rams gave them stuff earlier in the year and things like that, I think, gave people a kind of higher opinion of them. I still think they're going to be a, a contender in the playoffs. Yeah, so my, my point isn't that they're rubbish because you trashed on the Steelers. I was kind of more meaning last year no, the Steelers I was absolutely just right. kept the winning. They kept the winning, Steelers, they kept winning. They the were. Steelers second half of that, like the Cardinals have been really good. The Steelers last year were winning games against the Ravens' backup quarterback who was actually a third-string quarterback. They were like struggling in game. They, they played like four or five backup quarterbacks last year, I'm sure, and struggled through it. They just weren't a good – they weren't anywhere near as good as the records was. I don't think the Cardinals are quite as good as the record was, but I still would take them to beat last season's Steelers team nine times out of ten. Okay. Uh, other nominations that have come in. Uh, David Love gives one for Bill Belichick. I usually have nothing good to say about the cheat rates, but I commend Mr. B this week for masterminding a win over the LA Chokers to give my Raiders a boost in the AFC West race. Graham Beveridge gives his nomination to the end of British summertime. My belter this week is winter. The end of British summertime. Games kicking off at five, late games at half eight, an extra hour in bed before work on a Monday. A far more pleasurable timescale on a Sunday. Winter, yeah, belter. There is a couple of nominations for Justin Fields. Uh, Darren Barry says it best. Okay, the Bears lost, but Fields shows what he's capable of with that touchdown run. Belter off a play and belter off a player. Scott Baird is nominated. Les Snead pulling off the Von Miller trade to add him to a defence that already has Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Um, and then pretty much every other nomination is in some way for backup new quarterbacks that have played. So there's a couple there for Cooper Rush. Ross Taylor, Graham Muir, David Dryborough. Graham Muir puts it best. A journeyman backup quarterback who in the last four seasons has played two games all in 2017, and attempted three passes, completed one for two yards, to take the reins of the Cowboys during a season where they're finally showing to be contenders and lead them to a win away to a, at an on-form Viking side was very special. Two touchdowns and 327 passing yards, with the winning touchdown occurring in the last minute to win the game. An impressive performance from him. Ali Gunn, Lon Callahan, Patrick Watson and Paddy Kelly all give it to all the backup quarterbacks. Ali Gunn says, The Seahawks, Jets, Cowboys all won on the back of good performances from backups no one expected much from. Good on them. Lon Callahan says, After last weekend's National Tight End Day, this weekend should have been backup QB day with Mike White leading the way with 401 yards to beat the Red Hot Bengals. Trevor Simeon coming off the bench after Paul's voodoo doll finally worked. <laughs> well, I, well, I can tell you it did. I mean, uh, the, the other one that you're going to mention, I honestly thought you, I was going to get the nomination because I was back after my bye week last week and everybody was highly impressed, but obviously not. Uh, Trevor Simeon does get a, a bit of love. I, I think White of the Jets as well, quite amazing. But it has to be Cooper Rush, doesn't it? I mean, he came in for a team that, that needed a win. They're a good, good team, the Jets. Yeah, who cares uh, whether they win a game or not? I think it's all about Cooper Rush for me. He was highly impressive. Well, 33% of the vote went for Mike White, right? 33% yeah, of all the Mike nominations White. went for Mike White. Um, Mike White was the, I think he's he's the first Jets quarterback to throw for 400 yards since Vinny Testaverde. 
or something ridiculous. He's, I mean, it shows how he's bad the, they've been as the an organization. He's the second quarterback in NFL history to throw for 400 plus yards in his first career start, following up on future New Orleans Saints quarterback Cam Newton. Oh, <laughs> now, now, let's not go there. <laughs> Mad. I mean, the Jets are irrelevant. They really are. Although the AFC is a bit of a mess. And actually, if they were to beat. Um, be up on one or two of the, the, the teams at the bottom of the AFC, they actually have a chance of a while from the Jets and they beat the Titans as well, of course. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't think you can take them seriously, but um, I mean, backup quarterbacks. I mean, if you were to lose to a backup quarterback, what does that say about your organization? Terrible. For me, it's as simple as the Jets beating the Bengals is by far a greater upset than the Cowboys beating the Vikings. The Cowboys are playing tremendously. So he's come into a he also, performing team like, and made them perform. White's come into a non-performing team and then made them perform. And made them perform and some. Like it was unreal. Because the Bengals didn't on defense. They were rotten. Offensively, they were still scoring points. They weren't as explosive as they have been. But it's not like they put nothing up on the Jets. Robert Salah is obviously Mike White was just better, better than Cooper yeah like he was just uh, like both all the backup performances were good mike white was the best of the performances three for 400 yards only eight incompletions like uh, to me to me it's relatively simple i get wanting to group them all together and giving love to all of them mike white was clearly the the, the only thing you would say is that there's not many there's not much pressure on mike white because they're the jet the the jets have got a, a franchise quarterback that will be the starter when he's fit so Mike White's just got a chance to go out there and, and just kind of free fall, if, if you like. Um, Cooper Rush is playing for a team that's a playoff contender. So actually there was a bit of pressure on him to keep them relevant and to make sure that they're, I guess, you know, they're not dropping games in, in, the, in the race for the seedings. So, but yeah, Mike White was outstanding as, as from a performance perspective. I would give it to him just because he's a Jets player, frankly. And they never get anything. What about the take? Now, this might be a bad take, and it wouldn't be the first time, that the Bengals were not prepared for the game properly. I think they saw it as an easy game. I don't think they prepared properly. Yes, the offence dug themselves out of hole and bung 31 points up on the board, but you cannot take 34 points knocked off your defence by some guy who's never started before and started to blast the ball all over the place. The Bengals bungled. No I was gonna, I was going to save this for the ball bag, but it's fine. I'll just do it twice because I'm more than happy <laughs> to bring this up. The reason why the Bengals lost the Jets is because they didn't think they were playing a game this week because they won their Super Bowl last week. <laughs> they ran off the field in Baltimore after their big win, Ooh. which I gave them all the credit in the world for. They deservedly kicked the living daylights out of the Ravens in that game. They came off that field. They celebrated Eli Apple was a terrible cornerback, was giving it big licks on his way into the locker room, was giving it the whole big trust thing while holding the Ravens backup quarterback jersey. And then you go and lay an absolute egg against the Jets. Yeah, do you know, and it is something you see in sport a lot, I feel. And I don't know that maybe this is a Scottish thing. I feel like if Hearts go to Celtic Park and win midweek, they lose to Hamilton at home on the Saturday. That's what happens. You know, you get that big win, you're absolutely riding on a high, and then thud. You crash back down to earth. Now, for the Bengals, maybe it's the best thing that could happen for them. Maybe it's that realisation, the realism that actually 
Do you know what? Fine, you've just absolutely romped the, the Ravens, but you need to go and do that every single game. You're not going to get away with anything here because even the Jets can beat you. So it's, uh, it's a wake-up call, and it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from that one. Um, fascinating, for sure. Okay, right. Do we have anyone other than Mike White? No, it's no. Mike White. Okay. No. So let's t- raise our glasses then. Mike White, congratulations. You are the Loch Lomond Whiskey Belter of the Week. Straight into the Bob I conversation then. And there's quite a few different people being nominated for this one. Um, so I'll pick some of my sort of favourites that come through this one. We've got Paddy Kelly with Analytics Fourth Downs. This is one straight to your heart. Gordon, I know you'll appreciate this one. It's becoming pretty ridiculous now. Teams going for it inside their own 25 in an even early game. Fair enough late on in chasing points, but surely the shit cannot continue. Punters losing out on a lot of value. I don't know if he means punters or betting punters. I don't know if he's meaning like the punters. (laughs) Chasing points is not a thing. It's this buzz catchphrase that people have come up with now to go after this stuff. Look, it's not going for it on fourth and seven is something that comes with a huge risk, and you'll see very few teams do that. When you're in your own half, admittedly, the Chargers doing it on their own 30-yard line and stuff like that is very bold and comes with a huge risk and reward. If you're near midfield and it's fourth and one, if you punt the ball away, on average, you give up points by doing that. If you go for it, you've only got a yard to gain. Fourth and one is a very makeable down. You will make it far more often than you don't make it. So, It's not about this whole, oh, analytics, this, that, and the next thing. It's just a simple thing of what gives you the better chance to win in a game of football. And near midfield, if it's fourth and short, and I I don't really like going for it on fourth and three or more. Fourth and two, I'm a little bit cautious. Fourth and one, as long as you're on your own 40-yard line or further, I would go for it every single time because you're giving up value punting the ball away. I I think that the way teams are looking at this, though, has changed, though, in part because... The majority of quarterbacks now are more are far more mobile than they were 20 years ago. And so it actually, from a and, and offensive schemes are more complex and more varied than they were 20 years ago. So there's far more and there's far more opportunity and possibility to make that fourth down conversion. And ultimately, you know, if you've got the offensive weapons, it's an offensive-driven league. There's there's just as much chance of a defensive penalty in that regard. Um, and then you see some quarterbacks who are particularly talented calling the offsides um, and trying to get teams to jump. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I can totally see why teams are going for it. And even in certain situations when you're in your own half, absolutely. Okay, a couple of other nominations. Stephen Bryson gives his to Baker Mayfield. Tried to give it the big man after being tackled late out of bounds, only to see Landry cough up the ball on the next play. Unlucky loser. There's a whole bunch of nominations for Carson Wentz. Scott Baird, Sean Black, Stephen Boyd, David Drybra, Darren Barry. I think David Drybra says it best. Two killer interceptions in the game costing the Colts the win and more than likely killing their hopes of winning the division. Although, with the Derek Henry injury, eh, Maybe not. Um, Jim Douglas gives it to the Denver Broncos offense. Every single person with the slightest involvement in their abysmal last possession. Matthew Thomas gives it to Derek Henry's injury. Looks like he might be out for the season. Starting to feel like we're never going to see back-to-back 2K seasons. Then there's a couple of nominations from Scott Baird, Kenny Law for the Detroit Lions. 
Kenny Law says, just burn their organization down to the ground. The people of Detroit deserves better than the years and years of abject mismanagement and failure. Oof. It's not pulling any punches. There's one here, Ross Sterling, for the Giants' D-line. That offside on the Mahomes pick with four minutes left could have iced the game. Criminal to get caught offside. Patrick Watson gives one to Gordon McGuinness. After watching highlights of Chiefs v Giants and seeing a touch pass to Tyreek Hill going for an easy five-yard gain, Cameron's claim he could throw for a yard in the NFL is entirely justified. Bob Ag McGuinness talking shite again, like when he claimed the Giants were a sleeper Super Bowl team. <laughs> okay, now in fairness, I'll take... I'll I thoroughly enjoyed reading that, that. I'll, I'll absolutely take the Bob Ag for that. I'm 100% not taking it for... You, you could not, in a live NFL game, Cameron, you could not complete a pop pass down to You've got to catch the snap, you've got to get the timing right. You couldn't Listen, do it. I'm sorry. I've got I, safe I'll, hands. I, I back safe you up hands. on that, so I, I agree. Safe but, hands. Yeah. Catching the snap's funny. not an issue. Consider that done. The snap has been caught. No problem. Getting the projection behind the ball. Yeah. I can get it a yard. Right. Um, so, the, Phil Spears gives it to injuries. So many season-ending injuries in the space of a few hours. Absolutely worse was White's horse-collar tackle on Winston, causing the classic pivot shift injury and an obvious ACL pop. Absolutely no need for that type of tackle. Absolute ball bag. Mike Harris gives one to Kirk Cousins. Pathetic play in primetime. Average yards to target 4.5. Probably a turning point in the Viking seasons for the worst. Sarah Ross gives hers to Kyler Murray and AJ Green. Obvious reasons, really. We talked about this earlier. Although every time I watch the throw to AJ that goes zipping past him, it does make me laugh. I have an irrational dislike of Aaron Rodgers, though, so it annoys me that the Packers won. Um, nomination for Mike Tomlin for obviously not calling the uh, fake field goal but going ahead with it when it was clearly not going to work and subsequently getting uh, Bo's concussory, which could have lost the game. Mike Zimmer gets a couple for his timeout issues. Uh, Graham Beveridge gives it to the New York Jets for costing him his coupon. Uh, And then there's a whole bunch that go to the officiating this week. Protecting Boswell, the Colts-Titans game was mad calls everywhere. Just felt like they were... uh, they were off in everything I saw. Even the commentators and analysts were struggling to work it out. Hate it when the refs play a part in the results. It feels like being robbed of the spectacle, win or lose, says Reese Nunes. There's a couple for Washington kicker Chris Blewett. Simon Webster says Blewett has now attempted five field goals over the last two weeks. Three of them have been deflected at the line, including two on Sunday. Honestly, you're given a white, uh, you're given a golden opportunity to live your dream. And you just fluff it spectacularly. And then there's one for Roger Goodell from David Love. Too many reasons to mention, but this week, his NFL had the Rangers, uh, the Raiders on a bye for Halloween. What the hell? Clear conspiracies against the silver and black. <laughs> it is their favourite like time of up. year, if you're a Raiders fan. So, well, uh, well, well it's yes. not. The favourite time of year is clearly not January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so, who gets your nominations? At, I, I love the Lions' um, disassembling of the entire organization. Purely for that description alone, I think they should get it. I mean, I've been saying that for quite a while. I always, feel, so- I always feel sorry for the Detroit Lions because they seem to achieve new levels of ineptitude every year. It's great. feels very, very... Tough to see where they win a game now. I think your own seventeen might be absolutely spot on. That it's very very difficult. I'm gonna 
the Jacksonville Jaguars do nothing that make me remotely want to get excited to watch football. Like, Which is leading, this, this disturbing when they've got the number one pick, isn't it? And also, like the Trevor Lawrence thing's just been boring so far. Their their top targets in the passing game this week were Jamal Agnew, who up until this year was a special teams guy, and Dan Arnold, the tight end they traded for. I just like I, I don't understand what you're supposed to get excited about watching the Jaguars at this point. And it should be it should be oh Trevor Lawrence, let's watch him see how he develops. It feels like that as a team that is just biding its time before they are hiring a new coach. Paul, who gets which you is going? which is well that, that that's bizarre because I mean the coach has only been in the door you know ten minutes. It, well, it, it, bizarre bizarre as it is, it's pretty yeah. obvious it's not working. Oh yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, Gordon. I don't disagree. My my ball bag is Eli Penny of the Giants getting called for a taunting penalty no, when your team's on a drive. There's, now there's listen, no, listen. There's no listen, way that was taunting. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> now he points for the first down. That's perfect. I'm no problem with that, but you know, and and the Monday Night Football team called this right, whether you like it or not. And I'm with you, Gordon. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But you know, the zebras are called constantly. He says something into the face of the safety, and the flag comes out, and you just think you've just had a brilliant your run. You're going to be in a position to take the lead, and you get called back. I hate the rule. I absolutely hate the rule, but by week eight and Lewis Riddick on Monday Night Football said it, you have got to understand it and abide by it. And he failed to do so. And that to me is just dumb. It's dumb football. We, we have a responsibility as a human race <laughs> to not ever normalise these ridiculous flags as being acceptable. There's no way. There's no way what he did in any way should be a taunt. You don't know what he said to him. You don't know what the referee heard him say. It, the, the referees were not flying for it. He said they were you flying. You don't know dro- that. Drop the ball. You well, yes, we do. You don't know. We've it. seen we've, we've seen <laughs> the same thing called in the Saints game last week. It's nonsense. Nobody wants this. No one. Apart from, <laughs> ironically, the only funny part about this is the fact that it was John Mara of the Giants who stood up there in his podium and basically <laughs> said that Better this was butt. ruining the sanctity of the game or some nonsense like that. Nonsense. No one wants <laughs> that to be torn. <laughs> To, to I, I agree, but you, you've got to know where you are. You've got to know where you are. The other the other one, and you talked about the officials, was the face mask that was called later on in the in the KC drive, which wasn't a face mask. The guy got him by the shoulder and pulled across. Mm-hmm. Now, it looked like it was a face mask, and that's what they called. Now, as I understand it, you cannot challenge that, but they got it wrong. And one replay shows that they got it wrong. Why can't that be overturned? Well, this is why what they should probably have is rather than a challenge thing, it should be similar to TMO stuff. And it should be for anything that is a like 15-yard-plus penalty, turnovers and scores. Have a quick look. Okay, cool. Yep, buzz down, done. Yeah. You would save time with replays as well. You probably wouldn't, you, would, you would review more things, but you'd get more things right. And you would uh, probably not add time to the game, Paul. With yeah, regards you could, to your yeah. um, your mention about dumb football, heaven help us when we ever get to week eight or week nine in the season when players have actually learned the rules, because it ain't <laughs> going to happen ever. <laughs> so don't seeing. please be naive enough to think that actually players might actually start listening to officiating or to the rules 
and whether or not that they should be following them or not. Football players will always do dumb things. Ah, the, so rough, I don't think that's... The roughing the passer rule change is still rubbish and every now and then it throws up this ridiculous situation where someone's... What are they supposed to do? Um, yeah. They, uh, no, no. You're allowed to rough the passer. You've just got to take him out for dinner first. <laughs> so is it the officials? Are the officials... I feel like Gordon's going to get on board with this as well because of the, the horrible... Uh, taunting calls. No, I, 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 no, no, no. Give it. I, I don't think you can give it to officials. I think officials have got a tough, tough job as it is. Rules. The, it, it's not the officials. If it's the, it maybe the rule. The it's rules committee. Official. I think we give it to the rules committee and John mm, Mara. I don't. I just think. I think we're being a bit sort of uh, namby pamby here with that. I think we need to give it to a team or an individual because that's the way it really makes it hurt. <laughs> In that case, I'm, I'm going to once again suggest the team who. Thought the Super Bowl <laughs> and they did not, and they laid an absolute egg against Mike White making, making his first NFL start. The Cincinnati Bengals, I think, were a belter last week, deserved. Yep. This week, they should be the ball bags, entirely deserved again. <laughs> zero to zero. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Fine. Okay. It's unanimous. Uh, congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. You are the ball bags. Ball bag. Of the week, ball bags, ball it bags. Would, <laughs> it would be week. it would be unfair giving it to Detroit because it'd be like putting a wounded animal out of its misery. But yeah, uh, Cincinnati definitely deserve it this week. I think. And while we talk about ball bags, on a serious note, this is obviously a month where lots of men are growing their mustaches for November. It's uh, lots of people raising money for a number of male health reasons. One of the things that ball bags support regularly is to make sure that you give yourself a good fumble and we encourage you to fumble regularly uh, make sure that you're testing yourself for testicular cancer there is a number of checks that you can do uh, we'll share some stuff on twitter bobags has been putting some information out there if you do pick up a pair of bobags yourself there's information on the back of the packaging do give yourself a check lads make sure that you're keeping on top of that stuff because you do not want to leave it too late we've all got the opportunity have a fumble and let's be honest we don't really need an excuse get down there get your hands all over it and have a proper feel right um we'll come back God, and- I'm <laughs> Glad you did that, reader, not me. <laughs> we will come back and announce our weekly winners at the end of the show. Um, we'll move on to the trade deadline. We touched on it at the top. There wasn't an awful lot. Von Miller, probably the, the headline name in the last couple of days to go to the Ellie Rams. Ellie Rams obviously paying a bit of a premium for a 32-year-old who um, has had some nasty injuries, but they are clearly in win-now mode. Charles, what was your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, well, I have really interesting thoughts on this trade. So um, the NFC is a really interesting situation at the top here. And I think the the LA Rams are clearly thinking that they're going to win now. They've been trying to win now since 2016 and haven't done so. Uh, Is Von Miller going to change the landscape? I don't know. I don't think he's the player he was. He had his start off the season quite well with a few sacks but they were beating up on minor opponents the Broncos and he's injured at the moment I'd, listen it's a classic Rams move isn't it that's that's the way that they operate and um, they, they like to have a big name stars in the, how many big name stars can you get in one building before egos start to clash uh, I, I, if I, it'll be interesting to see what he does come playoff time if he's fully fit and if he can make an impact because that's ultimately why they've signed him long term I it clearly goes towards the Rams view that draft picks are not something they're remotely interested in. 
Short term, I get why they're doing it. Like Von Miller's not the same player he was, but he's still serviceable, can still do some damage, and you can put him on a defensive line with Aaron Donald. He's probably going to get to the quarterback. You're also they are clearly just trying to win. They they know they're going to be pretty close this year. That's why they made the Matthew Stafford trade. They're they're trying to win this year, next year, maybe the year after. Like they know it's a small window. So they're just trying to get that kind of high side of variance on defense where they can make enough big plays. So don't don't necessarily love it from a team building perspective, but from a short term, let's try and go in a Super Bowl. I think it makes a, a fair amount of sense. Their defense has not actually been that hot up to now. It's been decent, but it's not been you know league leading and their offense has actually been more impressive. So they clearly feel they need to upgrade a little bit. And he's a quality player. He's probably a Hall of Famer maybe when he retires. But is he fully fit? Is he still got the impact that he had five, six years ago? I think that the, that the jury's out on that. It was interesting to see as well that, you know, I mean, if we're talking about other trades, the Mark Ingram one to the Saints, definitely a need. You know, Zach Ertz was obviously in this trade period. Uh, that was a fairly big one. Jack uh, Joe Flacco goes to the Jets although they probably didn't need to even go and get him now that they found White. Um, Stefan Gilmore, of course, ended up at the Panthers. But the other one that's quite interesting is the fact that Melvin Ingram has moved from the Steelers to the Chiefs. Now, Melvin Ingram is a very capable player. Uh, and again, the Chiefs are just all out of sorts this season. Um, could be an important pickup for them uh, and perhaps something that they could do to galvanize their season, Paul, because it feels like at the moment the Chiefs are not in a good spot. Fine, they beat the Giants, but it was lacklustre and it wasn't convincing in the slightest. Chiefs problems on the the D, isn't it? I mean, the, the penalties they racked up, I just, actually just a few hours ago finished watching that game and uh, because there was some kind of game where you think, do I bother watching it? And it was just strangely compelling to see which team would try and throw it away first. I mean, some of the penalties were, were daft and yeah, the the Chiefs don't just look like the Chiefs. I, th I think they needed help elsewhere. Mahomes went between good and bad in the same game. I think that's worrying. There's just something not right um, with the, the Chiefs at the moment. I mean, the, the, interesting that in a league where teams are needing help at wide receiver, uh, the dog that didn't bark was OBJ didn't manage to find a trade. Yet. And, and, and yet, but. I find that really interesting that nobody was prepared to come in and take him. He was clearly unsettled. They clearly didn't want to be there. I mean, teams like the Saints desperately need wide receivers. I don't want OBJ anywhere near the Saints, by the way. Uh, somebody else can have them. But, you know, you know, Green Bay were stuck for wide receivers. And, you know, there, there was teams for the need and nobody felt the need to pull the trigger on him. So I find that quite interesting. So Odell Beckham, I'm not sure if you're up to speed with this news, it's kind of been breaking today, but it's been held out of practice with the Browns. Yep. Um, so obviously it looks like there's something going on there. There is a lot of rumours circulating. As we record this, there's a bit of chat that he may get released. I'd be surprised, but certainly the Browns seem to be keeping him away from the squad at the moment. Uh, be interesting to see if he does get released, where does he end up? A lot of chat about the Raiders, a lot of chat about the Saints. Um, if you're Odell Beckham, you're looking at those two scenarios, though. And in New Orleans, let's talk about this news item. Jameis Winston, you would have a quarterback that's capable of finding you. But who's going to be the quarterback now in New Orleans for the rest of the season, Paul? 
Oh, it's a fascinating question, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I've always been a big Trevor Simeon fan. You guys know that. You know, I've always followed his career so closely. Um, and he beat Tom Brady, you know. So it's Taysom Hill's the answer. That's who's going to get the start if he's fit. There's, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, you know, we, we've seen everything. You know, Philip Rivers, you're talking about bringing Philip Rivers back out of retirement. You know, what a story. I'd love to see it. I would genuinely love to see it because I think it's a great narrative. I don't think it's going to help the Saints win particularly, but I think it'd be a great narrative. Philip Rivers might want a receiver or two to throw to. Uh, our receiving core is very weak. Michael Thomas announced today that he's out for the season as well. So it's getting it's bad for the Saints and it's getting worse. But I think, you know, if you put Taysom Hill in at quarterback, you know, you lose the trick plays he brings, you lose the fact that he can line out wide. Um I think the Saints' season is in severe danger of going down the pan because we don't have any attacking options apart from Kamara. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did the Saints not just put 36 points on the Super Bowl champions? Yeah, but <laughs> look at how look at how that came. You know, there was a couple of interceptions there. Simeon threw reasonably well. Kamara, but Kamara's getting overworked. There's no doubt mm. Kamara's getting overworked. And that can't I... be... I mean, they've brought an Ingram to help him, Charles. There's no doubt. Mm. But he is the focus. But... I don't, you know, I, I don't think as a New Orleans Saints fan, I don't think much changes with Winston out. I don't think that much. I'm, well, first of all, from your perspective, you should think that this is an upgrade because you've been banging on against him all season. But the bottom line is, is that they're a defense. They are a defense first team. Now you hate Winston. Winston's actually played all right, as we all know, even though you're in denial about it. Now that he's no longer playing. Surely to goodness, they're actually going to increase their output on offense. And it doesn't matter really about this wide receiver core. We've proved, having watched the game in Arizona last week, you can have a billion wide receivers out through injury and you can still beat the number one team in the league. So I don't know. I think the Saints will be fine. I think they're going to make the playoffs. And then ultimately, it's down to your best of luck, isn't it? No, I, I think Thomas is a bigger loss than Winston. Um, you know, that that's for me. As a Saints fan, I think if you have to play Taysom at quarterback, you're losing a whole bucket full of plays and options. So like any good sports fan, when it comes to your own team, you're very harsh and you're very down on them. You think the world's going to end. And that's basically what I'm thinking at the moment. So, a, But I don't want huge, Odell Beckham Jr. It's a huge loss for the Saints that they won't be able to use Taysom Hill as the personal punt protector while he's the starting quarterback. <laughs> no, no. Let's not I, go there. I, I think the I think the Odell Beckham situation is fascinating. Uh, he was supposed to be the chosen one for the Browns, the the wide receiver for Baker Mayfield, that was going to be their quarterback wide receiver tandem that took them to a Super Bowl. And whatever it is, Baker Mayfield does not throw the ball well to Odell Beckham. This is this has now gone on the entire time he's been there. Numbers wise, he throws more uncatchable passes to Odell Beckham than any other receiver. You know, Odell Beckham's dad posted an 11-minute video of all the times Beckham's open and Baker isn't throwing the ball. There's just something about their connection. And I don't even mean this as like an off-the-field thing. I mean, they're on the field connection. Whatever it is, they just can't get chemistry. And they haven't the whole time that they've been there together. Is it Battle of the Eagles? I don't. I don't even necessarily think it's that. I, I think it is just something about playing styles. That I don't know what it is. Just doesn't mesh. It doesn't work. Um, and I think the Browns probably realised that if they're going to salvage this season, 
they probably have to remove Beckham from the situation because it will become an ego thing if they stop throwing the ball to him. But also, it does bring up a pretty tough question that the Browns have to ask themselves in the offseason. If Baker Mayfield can't make it work with Odell Beckham Jr., who does he make is it he work the, with? Is he the guy you can, you know, how much can you afford to pay him a year? Indeed. Indeed. Especially when the most of your offense is handing the ball off to your substantial room of running backs. Um, that seems to grow with the the, the Ernest addition, who was a suitable backup, although the Browns struggled against the Steelers. Um, it, it, it's interesting, and I mean, I've been noising Paul up about this offline on the WhatsApp group, but you know, I've, there's a perfect scenario here where Winston goes down, goes down injured, and now the Beckham gets released. He tells the Saints he'll come, but only if Cam Newton joins him, and Cam Newton and Odell Beckham walk into the Superdome uh, and lead the uh, New Orleans Saints to the postseason. Um, lead, lead the Saints to a 9-8 and eight record. Oh, that's sensational. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the postseason. 9-8 and eight would be. That's a wild card yeah. spot for it sure. Would, I think it would. Yeah. Probably, yeah. So, it's eminently you know, possible. They're more than halfway there already. They've got more than half the wins they need to make the postseason already. They could see this out. Um, Winston. Oh, no, Winston won't be back in time for the postseason. That's a proper injury. Got it. Honestly, we had Paul. We they're had just they're just not stand up enough guys, really. They're just, they're not they're not the kind of character that Paul really wants to see in his team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I've told you from the off. I mean, spent four years absolutely hating Jameis Winston. He played for our biggest rivals. I don't suddenly jump in and love someone. It'd be a bit like a guy playing for Celtic for 10, 12 seasons and then going to another team, and the fans of the other team just love him immediately. Just doesn't work for me. No problem at all. <laughs> Brody! Right, um... So, Poor Jameis, by the way. I, I feel really sorry for him. I think he threw an do absolute pearl yeah. of a touchdown pass, and now he's gone for this season. So other news items, obviously, that we need to talk about. Um, very sad news coming out of Las Vegas with the Henry Ruggs situation. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on there in the background. Um it's one that we're not going to talk about under Bob Ag or anything like that. It's clearly far more serious than anything that we should be joking about. But very, very sad news. Uh, our thoughts go out to the family of those that were involved and impacted uh, for the, the lady that lost her life. Um, absolutely horrible news coming out of Las Vegas. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's not much more really to say on that, I don't think. Well, I think the only thing you can see is career's over. It really is that simple. I mean, if it is as reported, uh, he's going to jail. I mean, the, the, there is absolutely no doubt about that if the story is as we have at the moment. So it looks like his career is over. But I tell you what, I couldn't care less. It's it, You've said it perfectly. It's about the family of those, those badly affected by it. Absolutely. Um, other quarterback news, though, uh, bringing it back to you, Charles. Aaron Rodgers has got covid so, um, obviously, didn't want to be outdone by his wide receiver. Devontae Adams had it. So, you know, Aaron had to have it. Uh, went out as John Wick. Got sick. In comes a first-round pick. So, you know, mm. we move on to, to Jordan Love. Are you excited? That is the worst rhyme ever. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why it's the worst rhyme. He was out I sick. He was, he was out as John Wick. He was out sick, and he now feels a bit of a... <laughs> but you didn't go there. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I was trying to keep it PG thirteen. And um, 
So, Jordan Love, it's, it's love time. Um, yeah, yeah, love it. It's the love Absolutely show. Love it. It's the love train. Are you aboard the love train, Charles? Are well, you full steam ahead? Me, come back to me at midnight or thereabouts on uh, Sunday. Um, look, I th- before we get into judgment about whether or not people should be vaccinated or not, or immunised, as apparently or, <laughs> Rogers uh, told yeah. Or not immunised, yes. whatever the hell you want to call it. Look, he's in Wisconsin. He's been pasteurised. Come on, get it right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, look, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Jordan Love. Um, we've been banging on this podcast for about 18 months about whether Jordan Love was a good pick for the Green Bay Packers or not. And my view, as I've said before, is that the jury's out until we see him in the flesh. Now we get the chance to see him. Um, he's not going to be going up against the most fearsome defense in the NFL in the Kansas City Chiefs, but he might end up being in a shootout. So we we may well get to see him throwing the ball down the field. From the point of view of that, actually, that's a that's quite a good thing I think for for Green Bay fans because actually we'll we'll be able to get a gauge of whether or not there's a future there, albeit it's going to be one game um, and maybe two games. Who knows what happens with Rogers the following week? And they're at home to Seattle. The week on a week on Sunday, um, so that's not the worst draw in the world either. Um, in terms of, in terms of Rogers, in terms of Rogers, he's not being vaccinated. That is his prerogative. I think four of us on here have agreed that you should be getting vaccinated, and he's not got vaccinated. If that's that's fine. If he wants to do that, I'm not going to judge him on it. He doesn't, in my view, call. Is it ball bag behavior to? to claim homeopathy or whatever the hell he was saying to try and get some kind of validation of his certificate. Absolutely. It's total nonsense. But (laughs) there are many more players in the NFL who are not vaccinated. The problem is Rogers is in all of your heads and that's why you're going on about it on the WhatsApp group. You go on about it week after week. This this is ball bag behaviour. Lamar Jackson, NFL quarterback, wasn't vaccinated. Was torn to shreds over it. Kirk Cousins, NFL quarterback, wasn't vaccinated, don't know if he is now, was torn to shreds over it. Hmm. If you're an NFL starting quarterback, you put yourself at risk for missing games by not being vaccinated. It is absolutely his choice what he wants to do. However, the reason it's not us going on about it, it's all over the media today, is because he is a starting NFL quarterback, of which there are 32 of those jobs available in the world. And this season, he knew the rules, and that was one of the rest. Now, Rodgers would have probably missed the game anyway because if he's got COVID, I don't think he would have been back in time. Yeah, you need the two. Like, you know, yeah. So, so that's it. At the end of the day, that's that's right. But what I will say for the Packers is that at what are they seven and one? Seven and one. Relative and, and in the NFC North, they're fine. It's they're going to win the NFC North. Yeah. They've, they've got two weeks of house money here. So actually, Charles' point about getting them being able to see what Jordan Love is, what you can do in, in a full start, probably is a benefit for them. Now, you know, it helps shape their decision next year, which I still don't think they'll make next year, but it helps shape the decision that they probably won't. I think it, actually it might, it might accelerate the boss to a little a little bit because if, if let's say for talking sake, and I'm not expecting this to happen, but Jordan Love... Um, as uh, one of the people who's absent on our podcast pointed out, it goes 33 for 38 for 400 yards and five touchdowns, then they might sit there and think, well, hang on a minute. You know, we can sign him up now and then we'll just let 
Mr. Ego wander off into the sunset. Because that's actually possibly what he wants to do anyway. But this is that this is the whole point about Roger. Rogers is this enigmatic guy that nobody understands clearly, or he is perhaps maybe thinking that nobody understands him. I think he's too bloody smart for his own good, frankly. And that was all the nonsense that went on in the in the spring ahead of the draft. He kind of embarrassed himself a little bit there. I have got the absolute utmost respect for him as a as an as, as an NFL quarterback and as a player and as a fan. I think he's one of the top three quarterbacks of the last 20 years, uh, one of the greatest of all time. As an individual and as a human being, I think he makes some questionable choices. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with me saying that. And I think if he's going to rely on homeopathy to try and be immune to COVID, then he needs to sit down and have a wee think, frankly. <laughs> I, 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 think I am perfectly happy with the situation the that Green Bay find themselves in this week. I'm quite content with it. He was spot on. Here's how this is going to play out for the Packers. I think they'll win this week. I've picked them in our picks game pick them to win this week because do we get to do we get to pick them in the uh, pick six? That well, depends depends if Cameron thinks it a close enough game based on the spread. Um, nah. the spread will change now, Cameron. But I I put, think put it in there, Cameron. Put it's it in fine. there. There's there's not a lot of close games on the spread this week, so I'm pretty certain it's going to make it. I'd like to be sure. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll win this week. Rodgers will be back next week, the following week. Uh, and I think, should Odell Beckham be released by the Cleveland Browns, that's where he's going to wind up. And I think the Packers will finish this season with Devontae Adams, As Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> and and I think they'll probably be the one of the teams in the NFC once again. So it's not... Look, wait, there's, there's loads of jokes being made at it's very much a short-term inconvenience for the Packers, and largely they're going to be fine. I think they proved last week as well that in a compromised situation, they still have, as we were discussing earlier, they have got the all-round depth that a lot of teams don't have. Um, so if you lose your wide receive core, you can still prosper. If you lose your, you know, if you lose your quarterback, that is a different ball game altogether. They clearly believe that there's something in Jordan Love. And this then goes back to, should they have picked Jordan Love? Blah, blah, blah. We're not, that we could do three podcasts about that. And we bang on about Sign this all the time off, offline. And we're not doing it here. We will find out in due course whether Jordan Love is the real deal. And Sunday is a very good audition. Given that we've just given out a Belter Award to Mike White for coming in and making his first start and having an absolutely sensational performance and taking the Jets to beat the Bengals, where we also talked about Cooper Rush coming in and taking the Cowboys to an impressive victory over Minnesota. Surely the the expectation is that Love has to do the same, right? Because he was a first-round pick. 600 yards and seven touchdowns or a wasted first-round. 100%. He's got to have a a record-breaking day, surely. His his situation is much more kind of pressurised a la Cooper Rush's situation than it is to Mike White. Mike White playing for a team who are crap, with no pressure. Cooper Rush playing for a team who are in the mix. But Cooper Rush has also been in the league four years uh, and had a start previously. No one has seen Jordan Love in the flesh starting a game. We don't really know what he's we're not, they don't, and they, don't, yeah, they also don't he's know if they're going to have food. <laughs> he played quarterbacks at Utah State. He's we, played in the preseason. He's not a I mythical think, creature. Correct. Well, this is it. Well, the thing is, all, all the... All the 
all the chat, chat me, all. all the chat about him is made out that he's some kind of he's got he's some kind of an enigma pull from pull his mask Klingon. off and it's Brett Favre underneath. Oh my God, Favre's back! I think you'll see a very conservative game plan. That's all I'm going to say. Guys, I think you're missing the point. The only thing I want to see on Sunday is what we're not going to be able to see. And that would be if, I don't know whether it's Fox that have got the game, have a camera in Aaron Rodgers' man cave, and that's all you watch, is you watch Aaron Rodgers watching Jordan Love play. Watch Aaron Rodgers, would... watch him call some fake huddles, watch him do some yeah. warm-ups. <laughs> yeah, do, do, do a few sprints in the living room, and then just watch every reaction if Jordan Love decides to torch the Kansas City Chiefs. Wouldn't that just be beautiful to see? But sadly not. We don't think we've got the Rodgers cam. No, no, we do not. Okay, any other news items before we move on to giving away our awards for the week? Anyone else got anything else to raise? No. Fine. No. We're it's, been a, our... it's been a tough week. It's, it's been an eventful week, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, so one thing officially is uh, Sakon Barkley and Xavier McKinney have both been placed on the COVID-19 list by the Giants, according to Ian Rappaport. So, Ball bags, both of them. Ball bags. Just Terrible. when Barkley was coming back, that's what happens there, eh? Um, Isaac uh, Yaidom as well, cornerback for the Packers, is also on the COVID-19 list. So that could be through the quarterback room and the cornerback. Ah, it's it's oh, rattling through that can, facility, isn't it? Can someone possibly go into the archives and just find all the descriptions that a certain Mr. Patterson used to describe the Baltimore Ravens last year when they were having a COVID outbreak? <laughs> Feels like the Packers are kind of verging on that. I don't. I don't. Think I, 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 don't think I, ever, I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever dissed them for having COVID issues. I've always dissed them for being inept at passing the ball. I'm quite happy to admit that. Is, is and Rogers, they're actually improving on that this year. The one thing actually is Rogers. Uh, I don't even know how do you pronounce it. Is it homeopathy? Is his homeopathy. belief in homeopathy? The craziest batshit since William Hayes told us he didn't believe in the dinosaurs. Has there been a more ridiculous opinion no, amongst NFL no. players since no, that? There's, there's plenty of people that believe in homeopathy and <laughs> it's e- made up each, shit. each to their own. That's that each to their own. I, I, I hate to agree with Gordon, but I do. I mean, there's probably things he does and uses that he thinks helps him Magic on the way with other injuries. Uh, well, hey, some people think that works, and hey, each to their own. Well. Uh, but but it's slightly strange. For those listeners who are not up to speed on homeopathy, according to the NHS website, homeopathy is a treatment, in inverted commas, based on the use of highly diluted substances which practitioners claim can cause the body to heal itself. Uh, in 2017, the NHS said it would no longer fund homeopathy. <laughs> I think that sums it up. Well, the N- NHS oh. arguably doesn't fund a heck of a lot these days, but that, that's oh. for another podcast as well. <laughs> Homeopathy works best uh, when the earth is flat. There you go. Um, so, <laughs> At least you don't fall off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, we need to do the award winners. Let's get onto this because I nearly forgot last time and I don't want to do that. So, um, Gordon, I don't think you've done the belter for a while, so you can have the belter. One, uh, I need to give you the numbers. One through 35 this week. Good, that's fine. I am going to pick the number of the jersey that Cameron is going to have to purchase when Joe Flacco beats the Eagles, and that's 19. 19. 
So, Reese Nunes, congratulations to Reese. You are the winner of a bottle of Loch Lomond NFL Scotland podcast, single malt whiskey, and two tumblers. And now we go to the Bobag nomination. Who deserves the Bobag? Actually, I'm going to give it to Mitchell. Um, I think Mitchell, you get to you get to pluck the Bobag this week. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you why. So the the number is six. And that is the number of games that it took the Atlanta Braves to take out the cheating thirds here of the Houston Astros in the World Series to win baseball's top honour. Well done to the Atlanta Braves, taking it in six, therefore number six. So in at number also, six. Oh. I was going to say that's also the longest sentence I've heard about baseball where I've not fallen asleep. <laughs> you, you and I have to start a baseball podcast, Gordon. Don't you worry. Uh, oh, I, in fact, I mean... I was actually listening to the to the World Series last night because I couldn't sleep, and the announcer got to stand outside the dressing room of the Atlanta Braves, and he was greeting all of the players as they came in uh, with champagne and stuff like that. It was utterly compelling radio, and unbelievably, nobody swore. I've just it's incredible life. Yeah, but you would expect somebody who's just won the World Series to to perhaps be a little bit more excitable, but they actually were all very very gentlemanly about it. It was great radio. Well, the winner, number six this week, pair of ball bags for a ball bag himself. Congratulations to Lauren Callahan. So um, he Oh is no, the... a Cowboys fan. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we also need to give a quick update on the Bonnie Sauce pick. Uh, King or Queen of Scotland 2021. Uh, just loading it up at the moment. Remember to make your picks. Carries all season long. Thank you for thank you for to the great people at Bonnie Sauce Company for getting involved with this. But uh, so we've got three people in tied first. We've got Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants. We've got Dumfries Demons, and we've got Jerry Bowlers. Jerry Bowlers, who was the second ever pick king. So return to form for them. Then in equal fourth, we've got three people. We've got Doer's Picks, we've got David Pearson, and we've got Juju's Dance Studio. Two people in tied seventh, we've got PNB Spain and Madman. And then there's three people in tied ninth, that's Field of Dreams, Jake Funk, Soul Brother, and myself. I've fallen uh, back there a little. We go. Uh, I still get the Cameron still hanging in there. Still there. So we'll always who, mention who's, who's in the top ten, no matter who it is. Who's, Who's winning the 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 pundits pick 'em? So the pundits pick 'em. Well, it was you, but maybe not now. Yes, it oh, was. Me? Sorry, was it, it really? It was. Oh, what a surprise! But not anymore. It was, but no, I had no. a bad no, cap. That's also me. I'm winning that yeah. as well. So yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up. About last week I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up. Just saying. well, I think I think we should because one of us, one of us, has we think set a new record. Only eight weeks into the season. Yes, and it's an impressive <laughs> one it's in itself. Tell tell us what you've achieved, Gordon. I believe I am the first person in our group to go 0-6 twice in a season. <laughs> and there's every chance I could make it four by the end of the year. So, eight weeks in, and you've done it twice. So, 25% of the time, you go 0-6. And, and yet, am I in last place? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that goes to Ian Stephen. All, all or nothing is your trademark, yes. <laughs> well, anyway, that is the full-time whistle for episode 168. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this in every single episode of the NFL Scotland podcast. Please continue to share your thoughts on this in every episode on social media, at Scotland NFL on Twitter, and NFL Scotland on Facebook. Our thanks to Charles, to Gordon for joining us, to Cameron as well. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. In the week ahead, it's all about the love, baby. We'll see how he gets on and we'll be talking about it on here next week. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Gordon, what were your thoughts on this trade? I, I'm not going to lie, I completely zoned out there. So uh, what, what trade are you talking about? <laughs> it's all right, I'll give you my opinion on it. Give me a second, because I'm going to edit out Gordon saying that he zoned out. <laughs> no, uh, I think you keep it in, frankly, because he clearly <laughs> was doing something far more exciting. <laughs>